0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. We're going to be in the Bible right now. And so we have two scriptures that we're going to be in. We're going to start in John 13. And then we're going to move quickly over to 1 Corinthians 13. So John 13, starting in verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then just flipping over a few more pages in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. I should read that one more time. It is not irritable, And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Amen?
1: Okay, so seriously, listen up. Listen, listen. I'm going away. I'm going away. And you can't go where I'm going to be. And someday I'm going to come back and we'll get get all worked out. In between when I go away and you can't go and all that. And when I come back, here's what, just look right at me. Love each other. Love each other. That was Jesus' words in the upper room. The last thing he told us was to love each other. And the last thing he prayed for us, Beth talked to us about it last week, and wasn't she fantastic last week with how she cast a vision for that? It was, it was so good. But the idea that unity, that he, the last thing he prayed for us was not great church services and great outreach programs. The last thing he prayed for is God helped them to be unified. If they would be unified, they're going to change the world. And so the tricky part about that is, is that right before Jesus said, if you forget everything I say, you fill it on the note sheet. There's a back of your program there. Unity and love is what he says. But before he said that, he said, I'm going away. You're not going to know where I'm going. And someday I'm going to come back. But meanwhile, love each other. And then Peter does what all of us do in 21st century Western evangelical Christianity. Peter goes, okay, so where are you going? And when are you coming back? And what's the time frame? And here's the deal what we do with that. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to focus on one thing, love each other in unity. You know what we do? When's the second coming going to happen? What's the mark of the beast? What's the 10th toenail of the fourth beast in the fourth chapter of Revelation? What does all that stand for? We get so fixated on the time frame of it. Jesus is going, love each other. And he's going to say, it's not for you to figure out the times and dates. The thing that's going to make a difference is what we love each other. And so um, the the apostles, the apostles, John and Paul echoed this in their writings. John, Paul, and Ringo echoed in their writings. If you only heard the play, if you came in today, one of the songs, All You Need Is Love, Love Is All You Need, yeah, all that. And Jesus talks about this. They're just echoing what Jesus said. When, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest thing that human beings can do? Love God, love each other. It's not complicated. Not always easy, but it's not complicated. Love God and love each other. All you need is love. And yet the tricky part about that, if you are wired like I am as a dude, or I know this is going to be a little weird too, some... Girls are like this too. I found out this week when I tried to oversimplify this. That some of you hear about love and you kind of throw up in your mouth a little bit. Because love is this sentimental, I call it ooey gooey Disney hooey. Disney love songs. Um, any Taylor Swift fans out there? Swifties out there, a few of you, yeah. <laughs> Hands wide up. Uh, I looked at her, uh, watched, uh, watch, listened to her, her album, Her the song there, Love Story. Beautiful, But it's all about how love and beautiful and love is like oxygen. Love is passion. Love is beautiful. And it's amazing. And if we're not careful, it's just emotional expression. And the tr- tricky part about this is our own culture is going to tell us. Not the Bible. Even people in our own culture that are not, aren't necessarily even Christians yet. Like our boys, a guy in a, This is old school, way back in the day, from a band called Boston that tell us love is more than a feeling. One of the great rock and roll songs about more than a feeling. Uh, And then uh, there's a worship leader, popular, you may have heard of her, her name's Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love, another part of there, what's love but a sweet old-fashioned notion? They're going, it's got to be more than this and so what happens then? It's got to be so much more than that. And then one uh, well, again, night at the Roxbury. Yeah, I've heard that. They go, what is love, baby? Don't, I'm not going to do the dance up there because I. Yeah. <laughs> what is love? It's got to be so, so much more than that. And then uh, the old school vintage prophets of our generation, the band called Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I want you to. I don't want you to tell me. I don't want you to feel love and express. I want you to show me because all the expressions of love in the world and all this ooey-gooey, Disney-hooey-woo kind of stuff in the real world that we live in isn't going to make a difference. And so Paul Paul gets asked that question. In 1 Corinthians 13, here's what he says. He says, look, you can, you can have God speak directly to you, not just read the Bible, God speak directly to you. And you say that to people. There's no love with that. Jack squat, doesn't matter. He says, you can do crazy, amazing things for God. You can do miracles. You can go on mission trips. Give crazy, ridiculous money for the the cause of Christ. If it's not motive by love, it's jack squat, nothing worthless stuff. And they're going, well, so then what is love? And Paul goes, I'm glad you asked. And then the thing we've seen on wedding invitations, on napkins at weddings, on cheesy screensavers, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7. And usually when we when we do this, when we hear this, here's the soundtrack we imagine. Take a moment here. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is... And the truth is, guys, that's the wrong soundtrack for this because we live in a jungle out there. Really, the soundtrack should be this right here. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Bam! <laughs> it's the jungle out there. Tech team, thank you for that. Kaylee and the tech team back there put that all together. And so when Paul gets to here describing love, we have so over-sentimentalized 1 Corinthians 13 as ooey-gooey, Disney-hooey kind of stuff. Oh, love is patient and kind, and I just want to cry. Yeah, He's talking about real-life stuff. He's going to say... <laughs> the, the first thing you can get on... Write these down on your note sheet today if you want. The first characteristic he lists there is love is patient and kind. You know why he starts out with love is patient and kind? Because there's all kinds of people around you that make you impatient and unkind. Do you have to be impatient with people that are wonderful and beautiful and amazing? Only have to be impatient with people that I call impatience initiators. The people that I'm around that just bug, frustrate me, and ah, they're impatient. They, so Paul starts off saying, hey, before we get to love never fails, and the greatest of these is love, he's going to tell us, hey, the, patience, patience and kindness. It also, he also talks about in those verses that love is, write this down, not irritable. You know why he says love is not irritable? Because you're irritating. And I'm irritating. And so as we do this today, we're going to do a quick little fun little interactive exercise here in a bit. Uh, My number will be on the screen. It's also, I think, on the program. Right now, I want you to think about things that irritate you. I'm not talking about trauma and abuse. I'm just like irritating things that people do. People in your family, people in the workplace, people around whatever, and text me those things right now. And we're going to take some time to look at those irritating things and see how we respond in love, even when you've done it again. In Colossians 3.13 and Ephesians 4.2, I would encourage you to memorize those verses, to look them up, put them on placards, say, take a screenshot of it and save it on your phone. He's going to tell us there, we need to bear with one another in love. The old school Bible says, put up with each other. Look at me again. Do you have to put up with people that are nice to you? I don't put up with those people. People that are nice, but you'd really have to bear with one another is people are going to be a bear sometimes. He's going to tell us, make allowance for each other's faults. What that means is we need to give people, just like you give your kids an allowance for different things, you need to give people an irritation allowance. You need to write, I knew to extend, open a credit line, open a Venmo credit line for them. Say, look, from time to, you're going to irritate me all the time, from time to time, so give people the irritation allowance to, to just do that. He's also going to say it keeps no record of being wronged. Now, I don't like that, but I think the characteristic of love is that we should say is love does no wrong, but Paul never says that here. Paul recognizes that people are going to do wrong to us all the time. Wrong, annoying, irritable people are part of the deal. And when you irritate me, I don't keep track of it. I don't store it up there. Um, I've done some research on this this week with people that are uh, at Harvard University and they've studied the brain chemistry and the brain, you know, and the frontal lobe and the back, all the crazy technical names. And they've discovered in your brain, there's something that the initials are uh, PPSU, which stands for Pet Peeve Storage Unit. It's there. And what love does, is says, I'm going to empty. I'm going to empty the pet peeve storage unit. Instead of there she goes again and storing it in there and storing it in there, laying in supplies for when Y2K hits again or something like that. We sometimes do that, thinking I got to store this up, store this up. Um, and what that means is there's some verses I want you to see here. So it's not going to be on the screen, I don't think. Uh, but Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen nine gives very common sense. While you're turning there, a uh, c- couple things on this today. This is going to be somewhat inspirational, but hopefully very, very, very practical in terms of how, you, how we love each other here in church and in small groups, how we love each other and our families and love each other in the world. And the other part about this is weird today is I feel like I'm a doctor looking at your health, sitting there smoking a cigarette, saying, Stop smoking. You guys, I'm gonna, you're going to hear this for about 30, 45 minutes today. I've been with this for two weeks now. Just kicking the snot out of me. Going, I'm going to talk about this. I, the truth is, um, those of you that know me well know, I can't believe you're saying this because I've been in meetings with you. I live in the house with you. Yeah. But, but look at this. In Proverbs uh, 17, look at verse 9. It says, Love prospers... When a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Proverbs 19.11 also echoes this same idea. It says this, sensible people control their temper. This might be a good idea for the next couple of years, especially in our election season when you're the other side, just instead of at people, we control our temper. It says they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. You know what we do in America today? And not just America today, what we do at churches today? Instead of going, oh, they messed me up and I overlook it. You know what we do? Look over it. Analyze it. Post about it. Drill to how come they did this to me. I can't. And we will read motives and impute motives and all kinds of evil things into people. We will, instead of overlook it, we will look over it and analyze it. If you've been married for longer than 10 minutes, you have great experience with this. We overlook it. Now, one of the ways that we're going to empty the pet peeve storage unit is to overlook things. And then one of the ways we're going to also do that is to also have some difficult conversations. Because from time to time, before things get to 8, 9, and 10 on the meter, we sit down and have a quiet conversation with somebody. Say, hey, that bothered me or that was frustrating to me. And th- the clothes on the side of the hamper, again... Or whatever, you have you have conversations about those kind of things and, and do that. So um, one way to do it is to learn, to learn the art of difficult conversations. The tricky part is one of the best ways you can love people sometimes is to say, hey, we got to chat. Ladies, let me tell you this for a second here. If you want to get a guy's attention, do not start this conversation with, we need to talk. <laughs> you know what that dude does? He runs and he... He turns the things way down. Just start talking. Don't do the we need to talk thing. It just, it triggers us. It's tricky for us. The tricky part about this too is, so far, love ain't easy, man. That's why, in in Paul, in the letter he writes to the church in Ephesus that's for us today, he says this, make every effort to love each other and keep yourselves unified. Do you have to... Do you have to have, do you have to make every effort at things that you're good at? If you're good at it, it's easy for you. Like for me to, to watch a Dodger game with my wife takes no effort. It's just fun. Making every effort to eat chili cheese dogs, and I'm not supposed to anymore, but they're so good. There's just no effort in that. It takes effort to not do that. Those kind of things. Uh, love doesn't always just flow. Uh, there's a guy named Fyodor Dostoevsky from long, long way back in the day, wrote a famous novel called The Brothers Karamazov. And he in there, he writes about this. It'll be up on the screen. I love the honesty of this. It says this, the more I love humanity in general, the less I love people in particular. <laughs> in my dreams, I often come to making enthusiastic schemes for the service of humanity. And perhaps I might actually have faced crucifixion if it had suddenly been necessary. And yet, I'm incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days together, as I know by experience. As soon as anyone is near me, his personality disturbs my self-complacency and restricts my freedom. In 24 hours, I begin to hate the best of men. One, because he's too long over his dinner, and another, because he has a cold, keeps on blowing his nose. I become hostile to people the moment They become close to me. The more I detest humans individually, the more ardent becomes my love for humanity. Guys, it's very easy for us as Christians to go, yeah, let's love each other. We're supposed to love, love, love. And then you and her. Real love, it takes work. Uh, It's also going to tell us here that love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. You know what that is today, an acronym for? Social media in America. Jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Write it, write it down this way. Uh, love is not insecure. See, people that are wildly insecure are jealous when they see somebody better than them. And so when they see somebody better than them, better looking, better health, better money, better kids, better better whatever, we'll kind of resent that and kind of mm, mm, jealously and try to pull them down to our level. Or when you know you're pretty good at some stuff, if you're not careful, instead of going, God, what a blessing this is that God gave you and have humility. It's like, look at me. Look at me. Look, uh, look, those of you that have great kids right now, you're the worst at this. You, you got lucky pal. It wasn't because you're a great parent. Cause I know you're a disaster. <laughs> and instead of going, well, if everybody parented the way I did parenting, da, 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 look how awesome I are. <laughs> so it's not insecure. Uh, and also it's going to tell us here that love doesn't demand its own way. Write this down. It yields to other people. Yields doesn't demand its own way. In Philippians, we're here in Corinthians. It's a few pages to the right in your Bible. Go to the book of Philippians here with me. Philippians chapter two. And Paul echoes this thought in different ways. What's crazy about Paul as he writes letters to churches, he does theology work with them all the time. You know what he does most of his time doing? Each other kind of stuff, because the truth is how we treat each other is well. We're going to get to that in a second. I don't want to. Philippians two two he says, "Make me truly happy by agreeing with wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose." Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Jealous, boastful, proud, rude kind of stuff. Be humble. And here's the line here. Mark it in your Bible thinking of others as I hate that. I can think of others as less than me. That's easy to do. I think I'm being a good Christian. I think of others as equal to me. Paul says, "No, no. there's a whole different ethic. The way of Jesus flips this whole thing around and says, think of other people as better than I am. And the tricky part about that is people think, oh, that's weak, low self-esteem. If you treat everybody better than you, you're just being trod down and all that kind of thing. Um, It's completely countercultural. You, uh, we call it the plausibility structure of the world that we live in right now is all about standing up for yourself. Self-image, self-esteem, you're beautiful, you're hot, you're amazing, and doggone everybody likes you. And there's probably some good healthy things about that so we don't get trampled down. But treating everybody else better than yourself, not treating people that are peers and people that are better than you, but treating everybody, which even means that irritable, annoying person. You go, that's crazy, Paul. How do you do that? And you think, well, I'd have to just lower myself and just think I'm nothing. And then, he doesn't say, call yourself nothing. What he's going to say is to follow the example of Jesus in Philippians 2, 6, where he says, hey, do all these things. And then in Philippians 2, verse 5, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He doesn't say, don't look at me, Paul, like, like I can, got this figured out. He says, though he was God... Quick question for you. Jesus of Nazareth, who is a human being, fully human and fully God, whenever Jesus walks into a room, is anyone greater than him in that room? Nobody's greater than him in that room. Flip over here to John 13. In John 13, this is on the night before uh, he's going to be, betray- he's gonna be betray- betrayed, crucified, it's, it's, it's coming for him. He's there in a room with his disciples, and because it's a covert ops kind of thing, because if the word is out, go find that guy, go kill him, go wipe him out, they do a quiet thing, and they don't have a servant that would be normally in the gathering of this that does the foot washing thing. It was just kind of a part of the culture there. They, they couldn't let the word get out about this. And everybody in that room's going, okay, who's number 13 on the list? Because you know who number 13 is? They get to be the one that wash people's feet. There's Jesus' 12 disciples. Keep in mind here with Judas Iscariot is in the room with him. Verse 2 it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus, catch this, knew that the Father, that God had given him an authority over everything. Not over, over everything and not over just the planet, over the universe. And that he'd come from God and return to God. And knowing that he was, look at this, for you and me, practically, knowing that he was at the top of the org chart, knowing not just in some org chart, but knowing absolutely, I'm the greatest one here. He treated everybody else as better than himself, even the one who would betray him, and was going to hell for doing that and washed their feet. Jesus didn't just tell them that he loved them. This is helpful for you and me because it's easy for us to treat people that are better than us when they're, when they're better than us. And in every room, and, and I'm, maybe I'm the only one that does this. <laughs> uh, maybe you just intuitively do this and maybe you've never done this. You're maybe a far better Christian than I am. You should be up here preaching this message today. But in every social situation you walk into, there are people in that room, you know, they're, they're better than me for whatever reason, whatever the thing they're just, they got, I respect them, look up to them. And there's people that are, okay, they're kind of my peers and nobody's going to admit this at church, but in every single situation, in our culture, there are people that are less than you, that you're better than they are. And nobody's going to admit that. I'm just telling you, if you're not admitting that you have a problem with lying or self awareness. Every situation we walk into, there are people that we are better than. And Jesus says, hey, treat everybody else as better than yourself. Now, here's where we're going to have some, take some time with this talk. That, that little list you made here, did you guys text me yet? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you guys are annoyed about a lot of things. <laughs> so here we go. Overlooking doing the right thing. Here we go for all you Padre fans. Irritating when the Padres have a runner on second with no outs and can't move runner to third. (laughs) People that make assumptions, people who chomp their food, chomp their gum, talk with food in their mouth. When they ghost or delete you, when my husband (laughs) makes the face. People who won't shut up, just want to hear themselves talk and don't want to hear you. Incompetence. When they have meetings that could have just been an email People that drive down a hill at the speed limit or faster, but only go 55 up a hill. Wow. Rolling my eyes as my wife... Here's the guy that bought the face here. Here's the guy that wrote about his thing. Rolling my eyes... Oh, shoot. Here it is. Rolling my eyes as my wife likes to tell me is that I'm making the face whatever that means.
0: <laughs>
1: people don't follow through when people walk slow. Um, I don't know what that one means. Always grumpy. People that answer texts while having a conversation with me. People that leave their dog's doo doo on my lawn. <laughs> people that throw trash in the ground. When Starbucks takes thirty minutes to, man- like people can't. There we go. They, gosh, you guys are, wow. Don't push their chairs in. Kids leaving dirty dishes in the street. Think one person just wrote down, my boyfriend. Sorry if he's here today. <laughs> Sorry, dude, if you're here today, you got some work. For me, in my life, um, one of the things that I have not learned yet to do, I've been married now for 28 years, and my wife will tell you this. One of the things that's the most annoying, frustrating things about me is that in 28 years, I have not learned how to shut a kitchen cupboard when I go in there. I get something out and just take it out, and I just forget. I do do it all the time. and its You think after 28 years, shouldn't I get that by now? Yeah, of course. I always tell her they have this thing in America called a a light switch. When you leave a room, you can turn it off. But you know that's a different one. For the thing. We all have stuff like that. Now imagine those are things, pet peeve, annoyances, that kind of thing. Now here's what I want you to t- take some time with me to do right now. Think about a person who would be like kind of like a hero of yours, and not. Let's take Jesus off the table for a second here because you're at church and everybody's going to go, Jesus is always the right answer to that question. For a second here, just people in our culture, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's a movie star, whether it's a musician, whether it's an athlete, maybe even like a Christian leader you really look up to for some reason, you really look up to that person. A person, here, here's how you know they're a hero. go, man, how awesome would it be if I could invite that, that person over to my house? Or over to, like, go get a VRBO somewhere, like, so a really crazy nice house, get an expensive house out there, and invite them over, and we could have dinner together, and not the big celebrity thing with all the paparazzi, just, and we could just talk. Who would that person be for you? C.S. Lewis. Lewis? Who? Bill Robertson. Bill Robertson? Phil Robertson, okay? Kershaw. <laughs> Kershaw? Billy Graham? Billy Graham? My grandma? Yeah, just think, in your mind, get who that person is. For me, who that person would be, I have two people. Those of you that have been here for longer than five minutes know that my favorite band of all time is U2. I love those guys. love what they stand for. love their music. So for me, if I could get sit down with Bono sometime and just have a quiet conversation and just talk about his faith and their journey. And then for me, also another guy that I really respect and look up to, you mentioned Billy Graham, uh, a guy for me in in our generation that I really look up to in terms of a Christian leader that I really like, almost idolized is a guy named Tim Keller. He's written all kinds of books. He recently just passed away. But I just, so imagine now, Tim Keller, I get, no, I get Tim Keller and Bono in my house together. And not in my house because my house is just a generic, but like, like a really nice house. I rent something out, get a bunch of money and they're over in there and they come in and we sit down and have dinner and then Tim or Bono get up from the table because we're on first names basis now. And they walk over and they open the cupboard and take something out. No, no, not the cupboard because that's a different one. What if they, they go into the hallway to use the bathroom, turn the light on, use the bathroom, and then they leave the lights on and they come back and sit back down? <laughs> Freaking Bonham, what do you think, man? Have you not learned like there's a light switch thing you could do here? No, you're going, I would never do that, right? Because that person's a hero of mine. Here's what, here's what it means to treat everybody better than yourself. Treat everybody like they're your hero when it comes to annoyances and frustrations and difficult things out there. If we could do that. Now, again, I'm not telling you this is going to be easy. This is not easy. But if you could keep that in your mind today, as we start groups and th- stuff like that this year, treat everybody better than, than me. Um, and then I love here at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, in the middle of these little verses we read here just a second ago, it's going to tell us here. verse seven, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Man, I love, again, we hear that and go, oh, awesome. Play the forest cup music, love. No, this is welcome to the jungle. You know why? Because it says love never gives up. The old school Bible says love never fails. You know what's good news about that is? Because everything else and everyone else around you is going to fail you. But love never fails. Everything else, people will. And it's also going to tell us that sometimes <laughs> when you look at people and you say, love never gives up, you're going to go, I want to give up because, oh God. It also says they ne- love never loses faith. And the tricky part of, again, real life world and the jungle world that we live in out there with family and life and work and all that is from time to time when you see how ridiculous evil idiotic, moronic, whatever adjective you want to give it, you're going to go, I just, I've lost faith in humanity. Guys, I'm telling you real honestly in the last, I think I've got some of it back now. But back but during the COVID, the whole thing that happened here, wasn't about the people outside the church that I was going, oh, I lost faith. I lost faith because oh, honestly, I look out here and go, what is wrong with the Christians in not the world, but in our church? From the not, not you, because you guys all stayed around, all the people that left, yeah. <laughs> It says you never lose faith. You don't get cynical and jaded. It also says that love is always hopeful. Love is always hopeful, which means, and Paul's going to tell us in Romans chapter 8, 24 and 25, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Like when you hope for a present at Christmas time, when you hope for something, you don't yet have it, right? He says, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, that's what hope is. It's a confident expectation that it's coming here. And when it comes to relationships, it means we look at myself and how I operate and go, man, I'm still a piece of work. I th- you know what? If I'm honest, I thought I'd been farther down the road by now in my faith. And the important thing there is to go, okay, keep your eyes focused on Jesus and looking ahead, but also look back to where you came from. See what God's done there. And then extend. We're going to do a little message on this. In a bit, in our "What If" series, that's coming up for this fall. But what if I extended the hope to people that I hope God extends to me—that I'm not done. That at times I'm a moron, I'm an idiot, and other naughty words that I can't even say at church. What if, what if I could believe the best of people? No, they're not there yet, which means they're not done. This will be important for you in your family. Those of you with teenagers right now, they're not done. And you're going, oh, trust me, God help us if they're done. (laughs) My husband, my wife, my coworkers, they're not done. People that are going to be part of your small group, people that call themselves Christians are going to be annoying, irritating, at times with you. They're not done. And we go, look, If the tomb is empty, then anything's possible. Then God can turn those things around. And sometimes how God's going to turn that around is the Proverbs talks about this, that iron sharpens iron. So what if you're part of the chisel, the ironing just bumping into each other? And I've watched this happen in all kinds of groups. I'm looking out at different ones of you here. I was in groups with you several years ago and going, oh God, help us. Please don't send us any more like that here, God, because I'm not sure we can handle it, honestly. And yet, watching not what happened by sitting... In a crowd listening to amazing worship and a band and amazing preaching every week. <laughs> Come on. Not because of any of that. You know what it was? It was week by week, they just kept bumping into people. And people would bump into them and you watch what happened. That's why we're always hopeful. And then it says, I love the practicality of this. His final thing he says about love is, love endures through every circumstance. And you can probably put down through every person. Quick question here. Do you have to endure things that are easy? Easy stuff. You don't endure that. You know what you have to endure? People that pet peeve you and annoy you and frustrate you. People who don't return your calls. People who don't shut covers. People who show up late to small group. People who just fill in the gaps. It's a jungle out there. And the way love is going to work is we learn to endure through every kind of circumstance, every kind of people. Jesus even said it this way. He says, look, everybody in the world is nice to people that are just like them. What if, cross point, what if we started to put this into practice in our everyday lives? Because our whole vision, our mission here is to be all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus and when I hear that, I sometimes wish it was my kind of people discovering and following Jesus. Because all kinds of people sometimes means. means all kinds. means all kinds of people. And so what if? What if we could live this out? in our everyday relationships, in the jungle that's out there. Guys, this is why we talk about here in the, your programs today, there's the, the small group catalog, Let's just talked to you about it, is we want everybody in here to get in a small group because the people, the, your, your, your growth is not going to happen here sitting in a church service in blue chairs in rows. Growth is going to happen in your life. The people you surround yourself with will make the biggest difference in your life for good or for bad. You show me your friends, not your acquaintances. Acquaintances all happens here. Friends happen when you sit down with people and you take time here to be in groups together, and they're transformational when we do that. So uh, Rebecca Robinson, our children's ministry pastor here, we were talking about this, the idea that relationships are kind of like, like an environment that you create, healthy relationships, where stuff happens in there that doesn't happen until we come together uh, for focused amounts of time. And also, for those of you that are newer to our church, because see, here, we hear talk about small groups are here. Yahoo, amazing. You're going. So what you're saying here, Steve, is you want me, I don't know four people here yet, and you want me to go to somebody else's house I don't know, with other people I don't know, and go every week and do that? And I'm telling you, absolutely, yes. It's going to be a challenge. It'll be a difficult. But here's what I'm saying here. When we're doing this, here's what small groups are. Small groups are not deep level. Oh my gosh, we're going to open up everything and share our most deep personal sins. And Bible said it's going to be in-depth, inductive Bible study and parsing the Greek and the Hebrew tense and all that stuff. You know what small groups are? Imagine this is a pool right here. You guys out there in the deep end, these are the steps. You know what all small groups are? Just get in the water. And sometimes it might be just sit on the edge and put your feet in the water, get in a group. And I, I get, I, I don't want to tell you that every group you're going to be in is going to be awesome and amazing because I've been in some groups sometimes, some of you've been in groups sometimes, and you know that sometimes I was in a group like, eh, it didn't really work for me, that's okay. You had a bad experience at a restaurant, right, right once. Did you stop going out to eat? You just went to a different restaurant. Just go to a different, different one. And, and the tricky part about this too is um, when I got married, because love is blind, I told my wife, because she loves to dance, that I would learn how to dance. <laughs> Keep in mind, uh, I, I'm, I'm Baptist. And my feet stopped talking to my brain at about two years old. Because we didn't move, you know, that was all. we just didn't dance. We had banquets for our Christian school. We never danced did any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, was kind of weird and funky. But I, okay, I want to learn how to dance. And when I first learned how to dance, you know what it was? It wasn't like just turn the music on and just go, it was... Step, step, rock, step, quick, quick, slow. Quick. And it takes some time to get swinging a golf club. I play golf terribly. But when I first started, I was a disaster. You know how you get to swing a golf club? Just over and over again. Repetition it takes repetition to create good habits. So get in one of our groups. And what our groups are, guys, just so you know, it's we, we really focus on food, friends, and the Bible. So you're going to show up and you're going to eat together and hang out and laugh and talk together. Uh, On the inside of your program, you'll see this thing called Intersect. It's a few follow-up questions that are the framework for just having some time to dig deeper into this and go, okay, how does what what Steve talked to us about or Beth or Justin, whoever talked to us about, how does that intersect with everyday lives? What are the questions I have? What didn't I understand? What was weird about that to me? You get a chance to do that there. And then we kind of share what's going on in our lives and people pray for each other. Now, when we first start off, you don't have to pray with anybody. You can sit there and just listen. But it's just chances to get... Involved there and make some friends with people. Um, and, and so here's the deal here today being in a group, being making good, strong Christian friends will be the cutting edge of growth in your life. It's not enough just to come to the church and listen to a message and music. What if, and again, our next series is going to be called What If? The bottom of your note sheet, there's the verses that's coming up for next week. We're going we to go, What if Jesus actually meant what he said? And here's the crazy thing. What if Jesus' followers actually did this crazy thing called actually followed him? We're going to take some time and explore a bunch of different topics like that this fall. But what if Jesus meant when he said about love each other and unity is going to change everything? What if how we treat each other, not if, what if, how we feel about each other? What if how we treat each other will, first of all, change me? It'll be the cutting edge of not just you getting stuff out of it, but by you learning how to deal with mm, some challenging situations and people, having difficult conversations, to read the Bible and not get stuff yet and ask questions. What if it'll be a great thing for what the Bible calls discipleship, of spiritual formation and growth in your life? So jump into a group to make that happen. Make those kind of friends. If we could figure out a better way to help us make strong Christian friends, we would change tomorrow. We have not yet found a way to force this kind of stuff to happen where we say, come join a group, come be part of a home group for a couple hours every week. But what if, too, it's not just how we each other changes me. What if how we treat each other? Jesus meant it when he said how we treat each other changes the world. Not our band, not our preaching, not our kids' ministry, not our amazing graphics and creative stuff with music in the middle, with Welcome to the Jungle in the middle of a message. What if Jesus actually meant it? And to keep in mind, his disciples were, two of them wanted to go called on fire on cities. Some of them were quiet people we don't know much about. Some of them were extroverted, introverted, crazy kind of stuff out there. What if how we treat each other changes the world? And some of you are sitting out there that are more like cerebral, more like, well, come on, Steve, it's the gospel and the truth that changes the world. And I'm telling you, that's absolutely true. But our truth is only going to be trusted when they see how we treat each other. If we say God loves you and God loves the world and we treat each other like morons, nobody's going to believe that. And the gospel will only be embraced as good news when the people who live it are treating each other with love. Um, and not people just like me, people that are very, very different than me. There's a great, uh, in the first couple centuries of Christianity, Christianity enjoyed no privileged status, no protection. In fact, it was persecuted. And yet, a couple hundred years in, the Roman emperors hearing all this, these Christians, these Christies, like what is going on out there? They're making noise out there. What 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 is that? And so he sent a guy named Aristides out to do some research on these this Christian little thing that we should have wiped out long long ago. And Aristides writes a report back. You can Google it, look it up. His report back to the emperor, he's not a. It's not a glowing recommendation of Christianity. He doesn't embrace the Christian faith at all. He says, I don't get this. This is weird. I don't. He said, it's kind of elusive, like. And he says, but you know, emperor, you know the one thing that I can't figure out? He says it this way. Behold how they love one another. With no protection, when it should have been wiped out long ago, those people just love each other. And so guys, here's the deal today. We can say here that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, love is, love is. The truth is. It's not not enough that love is. You know what's going to make a difference? When I is, when I am, when we are. So we're going to take some time today to declare this publicly. Instead of saying love is patient and love is kind, get up on your feet. We're going to read something together today, out loud, declaring it prophetically, beautifully here today. We've taken the words of 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to declare this as a declaration, as a promise, as a prophetic prediction for how I'm going to live my life this year. And guys, so we're going to do this together. Here we go. We, come on, you got to be better than that. We will be patient and kind. We will not be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. We will not demand our own way. We are not irritable, and we keep no record of being wronged. We do not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins in. Now, let's go. We never give up. We never lose faith. We are always hopeful, and we endure through every circumstance. Guys, if we could do that, we will change. Just tie a knot and hang on. Sit down. The band's going to come up. The band's going to come on. We're going to sing some songs now to Jesus about Jesus. People getting baptized today, so don't jet out here. Two amazing stories of what God's done here, so stay around for that. It's going to be awesome and amazing. Give you a chance to come and get prayer today. If you've got things going on in your life, you need to unpack some stuff. Maybe hmm, the challenge you on, I'm not sure I can do this, and the truth is, you know what? You have no power on your own to love people. If it was possible to make, for you to love each other, then Jesus' death on the cross was a colossal waste of time which is why every single week here at Cross Point we give you a chance to come and receive communion. It, it symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus that was given for us. And as you take that bread and drink that juice today, remembering the amazing love, let this verse echo in your mind. First John tells us this, and he writes a letter to churches in, in Ephesus. He says this, here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice not for beautiful, amazing people, but for a bunch of wretched, black-hearted, evil, ridiculous jerk sinners. And the only chance you have, is you get outside of your own head because you're looking at things oh, like, "I have no possibility of doing this." Is let like the love of Jesus just <clears throat> and overflow out of you. So Jesus, today, we come to you. The only hope we have is you. So I'm asking you today, God, as we sing these songs, to do something in our hearts, as we come to places to pray about stuff going on in our lives, as we come to the tables of communion to remember what you did for us. God, reignite love. Not ooey-gooey love, but that honest-to-goodness love that will transform everything.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com